My name is Blake Huffine, and I'm the pastor here at the Movement Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this message inspires you. hope it grows you closer to Jesus Christ. So let's jump right in and receive the message. Welcome to the Movement Church. Today we're going to be talking about sexual sin, a very controversial topic uh, among the world today, a very heated topic. We are going to talk about today. We're going to get a biblical look. And now I want you to remember in this message, we are talking about Christians, people who claim to follow Jesus Christ. Okay, this is who we're going to address. And then if you're not a follower, if they are not followers of Jesus, we will address that at the end. But as of right now, we're going to go into the scripture. There's quite a bit of scripture, but I'm believing that the spirit is going to speak through this. We're going to receive revelation. This will be a very, very detailed message if we haven't had one yet. So let's go ahead and get started in the scripture. We're going to go to 2 Peter chapter 2, and I'm going to read the first 10 verses there. So it says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of the truth will be maligned, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter, and if he rescued righteous law oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds, then the Lord God knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority. So what we're summarizing here, to give a summary here, is that God is just and he has not forgotten the unjust, the ungodly actions of an unrepented person, of an unrepented nation, community, city. And he has not forgotten the righteous behavior and the righteous life of someone. He is a just God, and no one slips through the cracks of his judgment, but he sees all things. So if we we scoot on down to verses 20 through 22, this is what it says. For if after they have escaped the defilement, someone who is in Christ, for after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ... They are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. So if someone has escaped the sin when they came to Christ, if they have escaped the sin of the world by the knowledge of Jesus and then once again fell back into it and went back into the lifestyle and didn't change, it says that the state of that person has become worse for them than the first state that they were in. For it would have been better for them to not have known the way of righteousness than having known it and to turn away from the holy commandment handed down to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. So it is worse for one to come to Christ and then to, uh, to, to be redeemed and all that stuff, and then to yet depart from that 
and go right back into that lifestyle, to not even be changed, to remain unchanged, but claiming Christ. We're going to go on over to 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is of the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. The world is passing away, everybody, and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Hmm. Verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Now, we're laying this foundation of righteousness because we need to understand the viewpoint that God has on what is considered sin and what is considered life and godly and, and righteous. What's considered ungodly and sin and what's considered righteous and what's considered holy. We have to grasp this mindset before we start looking at what is sin and what is not sin. First, we need to get God's mindset. We need to see how God looks at certain things so it can change our perspective when we start analyzing what is considered sin. So we're going to follow from that. We're going to go to 1 John chapter 3, and I just want to read the first 16 verses there. It says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, and because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies themselves just as He is pure. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sins. So no one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or known him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin, because his seed abides in him. And he cannot sin, because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious, Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does the love of his brother, nor does nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another, not as Cain who was of the evil one and slew his brother, and for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
But whoever has the world's goods and see his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? So this is clear that it says that one who believes in Christ, one who is in Christ, practices righteousness and does not practice sin. That one who practices righteousness cannot practice sin. You are either of the devil and you practice lawlessness or you are of God and you practice righteousness is what this is laying out. There is a division and going when Christ returns, he will divide it. There will not be any mixed groups. It will be a divide. Those who are and those who are not. So now that we have this understanding that God is not going to tolerate ungodliness, God is looking for righteous people that are following him. That is who he is looking for. So we're talking about sexual sin. Okay, that is what we are addressing today in this video. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 through 30. We're going to read three verses here. And let's see what Jesus says in this section of Scripture. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye makes you stumble... Tear it out and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So this whole uh, mindset, this phrase that you can look but you can't touch, that's not what my Bible says. That's not what my Lord Jesus Christ says. My Lord Jesus Christ says that if you look at someone with lust, you've committed adultery. And he even goes as far as to say that if you were, if your eyes causing you to stumble, to tear it out. And what that means is to remove the, the source. If it's your eye, so if it's your phone, if it's a, a, a subscription, if it's a certain time of the day that you're alone, remove the source from your life is what Jesus is saying. To cut it off, throw it away from you, get it out of your life. For it's better to get that out of your life than for you to perish for this sin. So we see here that any type of pornography is sin. It is ungodliness, it is unrighteousness, and, and God will not have it on judgment day. For those who claim to be following Christ, you have heard it from a command here from your Lord. He has said to throw it out. To cast it out. So you should have no partake in either being subscribed to anything. You should have no partake in being involved in providing anything in this kind of material or any content. And even as far as you need to control your eyes in public, men and women, learn to control your eyes. Give that over to Christ. Give that over. Surrender that. If you have an overwhelming desire and you can't control it, you probably need to seek out and get deliverance because it's probably a spirit that's causing that. But the the body, the flesh, naturally, the eyes wander, they look, but you have one of the, the fruits of the spirit, one of the, the attributes of the spirit is self-control. So you got to get in touch with God. You got to fast. You got to seek it out and you got to give that over. Deny the flesh and take up the cross. Deny the body of its desires, of its wicked desires, and take up righteousness. Take up the cross. So we see here that lust is 
is unrighteousness. Looking at looking at other people in a sexual way that you are not in a committed relationship with, that you are not married to and in covenant with, is a uh, is unrighteousness. It is a sin. So now we're dealing with sexual sin. So we need to address homosexual sin, the LGBTQ community. Now here's the thing, guys. Here's which I've given this before, the viewpoint that we have for that group of people. We love them. I I love them. I have compa- I have compassion for them. I, I I feel for them. And the thing is, is I mean, as a Christian, if they claim to be followers of Christ, that's unrighteousness. That's ungodliness. Just as for one to sit and to lust and watch pornography and to engage in sex outside of marriage, it is the same. I mean, it's sin. It's ungodliness. It's unrighteousness. And it should not be practiced by a Christian. But the problem is, is we have this being welcomed into the church that this it's not just homosexual. It's all sexual sin is being approved of in the church. And the fact that these pastors are being rebuked for speaking out on, on what is biblical. God wiped out a whole city for sexual sin. It is a direct defilement of the creation of humanity. It's God's ordained order. He made male. He made female. From female comes the from from female is procreation from and it goes on and on. It's a miracle. You might say, "Well, I don't ever seen miracles." You if you've if you've ever seen a baby, if you've ever seen a child, that's that's literally this big that comes out of a woman, from the beautiful thing as a covenant, which is what God's design is, as a man and a woman becoming one flesh in accord with the relationship with God, and then they're able to create another human being and watch that person go from from literally in your hands to a six, seven foot, some people, you know, five, six foot tall person, like that is a miracle on its own. That is a miracle. So when we take God's ordained order and we come up with our own wicked ways to get sexual pleasure and sexual satisfaction, sex is a gift from God. It's not a shame to talk about sex in church and stuff. I mean, sex is a gift from God for the marriage, for the covenant, for the man and the woman. And we as human beings have perverted it and went the wrong way with it and came up with our own ways for 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 pleasure, for sexual pleasure that doesn't require the God's ordained way for things to happen. Okay, and so when we get to homosexual sin, to to uh, the uh, the LGBT community, the, this is what we're dealing with. So they claim that God wants them to be happy. They were born that way, and the fact of the matter is, is that when Adam and Eve sinned, this able to sin um, nature is reproduced among humanity, and so. We as we as people, our flesh is naturally trying to sin. It's against us. When once we're born, this ability to sin is there, and it's it's the flesh is against our our spirit. It's against our it's against righteousness. And so, for some people, it is um, it's just their flesh against them. It's possible, and for a lot of people, it's demonic spirits that are influencing this behavior. I mean, um, so. To try and relabel it as something else is not biblical. 
We have to look at the scriptures. We acknowledge what the scripture says. And this is what it says. Romans chapter 1 verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So this is talking about a broad topic of just sin and unrighteousness and an ungodly behavior. As a Christian, you are called to live righteous. You are called to live a holy life. And this says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that we or so that they are without excuse. All people are without excuse because the glory of God is shown through creation. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their fu- their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, so this is what I want you to hear. We're talking about sexual sin. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity. So that their bodies would not, or so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural, and in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a deprived mind, to those things which are not proper, to do those things which are not proper. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and all they, they knew the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, and they not only do the same, but give hearty approval to those who practice them. And this is exactly right. I mean, that not only do these people who are involved in sexual sin, do they are they defensive about their own sin, but they also give, as the scripture says, give hearty approval to others who are involved in sexual sin, whether it's similar or the same. And what they don't understand, or maybe they do and they don't care, they don't want to acknowledge it, is that the damage that sexual sin actually has on a person. When two people come together, it's like it's like they're they're well, the scripture says that when two when, when a male and a female come together, they become one. And so whenever they just become one, but they don't become in the covenant and they tear apart, they're taking pieces of one another. And there's trauma that happens with sex outside of marriage and sexual acts outside of marriage. And so uh, Jesus said that if uh, if a man lies with a prostitute, that he's become one with her. And so when uh, when someone is lusting and, and, and you know does the thing to pornography, they, they are merging spiritually with other people and they get these soul ties and then they've had these, you know, these men have had these one night stands and women have had these one night stands and then they've had their pornography and they're, they're mixing their soul. Their spirit is mixing with all these people and it makes them, it makes it so hard for them to be able to love the right person when the time comes. 
And even at the time, if they if they get married or whatever and, and they're in the relationship, it's going to be hard for them to truly appreciate the other person. A phrase I've heard for years is the quickest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. And if you're enticed and you're engulfed in this sexual sin and this pornography and this uh, OnlyFans stuff, if you're engulfed in that, it's going to make it really hard, almost impossible, if not, I would say, impossible to truly appreciate and truly love your uh, your spouse or your, you know, even your even your girlfriend or boyfriend. If you guys have decided that you're not going to do anything together, that you're going to remain pure until you're married, and and I and I, I up in I I'm all for that. I stand by that. I believe in that. And if you if you're going to do that, but yet you're still lusting and and watching pornography, you're not remaining pure for your spouse. In fact, you're you're doing more damage. So taking on sexual sin is very important. We cannot justify it. We cannot continue to just say that as long as you look but don't touch, you're okay. That is a that is a lie from the devil, and that is not what your Bible says. That And these people who say that homosexual is a false translation, we read it right there in Romans chapter 1, that it didn't even say the word homosexual. It said men committing indecent acts with other men and women likewise exchanging the natural function. We know what that means. We don't need a different translation we can read in the greek what it said or and and so it's laid out plain we don't have to look at it any further we understand it's against god's ordained way and there's no matter how many times you try and twist it how many times you try to make it sound like what you want it to say the bible says what it says and we stand by righteousness and if you want to be on the right side of the judgment day at the whenever christ sits on the judgment seat and judges his followers i don't know why you want to correct what the word of god says i don't know why these people are so enticed with their their sin it's like they don't even appreciate what happened on the cross. Whatever God reveals to me as sin, I will remove it. I will hand it over. Whatever Christ says is is sin and you shall not do it no more. You shall not do it. If he tells me not to walk through a brown door or a white door, I'm not going to do it. If the word of God says it, we should obey it. If the spirit of God says it, we should obey him. Why are we so quick to try and tweak it and make it sound like we want it to say? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11 through 11, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor the drunkards, nor the revealers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen to this. You might say, well, that's a bunch of us. What about the people in the Bible? This is addressing the disciples. This is addressing those who come into Christ. It says, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of God. And you might say, well, that means I'm saved and I'm okay that I've been doing that stuff. That's exactly right. And this is where we're going to conclude, right here at this scripture. This is a perfect place to bring in what I said I would address at the end. The people in the world who are not Christians, who are not followers of Jesus. This is the message. That Jesus Christ came in the flesh. The Son of God. God came in the flesh. He laid the foundation. He showed us how to live a life of Christianity. How to live a life as a, as a godly person. He demonstrated that. And because we're wicked and that we deserve death, we needed to die, right? We should be punished. The wages of sin is death, okay? So we should die for our sins. But Jesus came and being spotless, blameless, holy, 
pure, perfect. He came and took our place on the cross. This is the good news. This is what you ever hear about gospel, the gospels. Gospel means good news. This is the good news that Jesus Christ came, took our punishment on the cross, resurrected on the third day, and by placing our faith in him and turning from our sin and putting our faith and our 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 uh, our life on the cross with him, we place our faith in what happened on the cross. We are redeemed, we are saved through him, through what he did for us. He became sin so that we could be forgiven. So the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And we inherit that. We get that by placing our faith in him. And part of the faith in him is doing the things that he commanded. John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So if you love Jesus, you'll keep his commandments. That's what he said. That's the words of Jesus. That's the red, that's the red letters. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, and this is what it says. Nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. We were justified by placing our faith in Christ. We've repented of our sins Acts 2.38, repent each and every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes, he fills us, he changes us, our mind is renewed and we're able to walk in the will of God. We seek the will of God, we desire the will of God, we desire to, to learn more and more in Scripture. Now it doesn't mean we become perfect, it doesn't mean our lives are just perfect, but what it means is we have hope, we have faith, and we have a purpose a purpose-driven life through the Lord Jesus Christ because of what he did for us. And here's the thing, guys. I want to throw this in here right before I close. Give me three more Pentecostal minutes. <laughs> that The thing about a Christian life is, is that this has not been said in church much, but I'm going to tell you this. Your Christian life and the glory in it doesn't start when you die and go to heaven with Jesus. It doesn't start when Christ comes back for his church. You're, the glory in the Christian life starts the moment you place your faith in Jesus. Because I'm talking about life change, heart change, mindset, a new perspective, discernment comes, okay? The gifts of the Spirit, walking in anointing, seeing people set free from demonic spirits, laying hands on people, watching prayers come to pass because now you pray in the will of God and not in the desires of the flesh. Answered prayers is a real thing. It happens when you pray in the will of God. This is the life of Christianity that has not been displayed to you. So just have faith. Just have just borrow some of my faith in what we have talked about. Read the scriptures for yourself and, and, and take it up with God. Take it up with Christ. He can hold his own. He's a holy, just God, and he's he's a big boy. He can handle his word. He can stand and he, he can stand for his own. He can hold his own. So take my word, these words that I've spoken to you, apply them to your life, study the scriptures, okay? You can press and press and press the truth. You're not going to find any false, any incorrect information inside the truth. What I have given you is the word of God. It is true, it is, true, it is pure, and our Lord Jesus Christ stands by his word. He never contradicts himself. Seek him out while you can before he has come and it's too late. And 
if you need anything on my end, I'm I'm here for you. I'm here for everyone. I love every one of you guys. This is why I do this. This is why we're here. God has called me to send out these messages to wake up the church, to to ignite a fire inside of of everyone so that they can seek out the Holy Spirit and experience the anointing and and live a righteous life the way that the Bible has commanded them to the way that Christ wants us to. This is the revival. This is the fire. This is the remnant church. Thank you guys for joining. I'm going to close with a prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your spirit. And most importantly, Jesus, we thank you for what you did on the cross. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that this message would go out, that it would touch, and that it would change the hearts of those who are against your word, God, and against your will. Father, I pray that you would forgive them, God. I pray for forgiveness for them. If, if they have said anything wrong against you, if they have blasphemed God, I pray that they that, that you would forgive them, that they would repent, that they would acknowledge their sin, and, and that they would turn towards you, God, and, and seek out and find out how great you are and how, oh, how such a good God you are. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that this message would be just carried by the Spirit and that those who hear it would be touched. In Jesus' name, thank you, guys. Have a good week. Thank you so much for listening to this message. Be sure that you have liked, shared, and subscribed to The Movement Church so that you stay up to date on the latest content. Share this message with someone you know. Maybe they need to hear it.